Having a bunch of diverse voices really allows you to reflect the way the world thinks, as opposed to a certain group. And so the ways that I try to instill and empower justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion is by firstly bringing my whole self into everything that I do. Because I feel that as though when you bring your whole self, you allow other people to bring their whole selves. Today, we are joined by our wonderfully talented friend, social entrepreneur, and champion for justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion, Geraldine Azeka, as she brings her whole self to the conversation around building a community, as well as the importance of science and personal development. Let's get started on Leadership Unboxed with Geraldine Azeka. We're thrilled to have you join us today. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Let's get started by learning more about your personal story. Can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and how it led you to become a social entrepreneur? Sure. So I come from a Nigerian family and I have a bunch of siblings and my parents really raised us in a household to care about the people who we are surrounded with. So I've always grown up doing a lot of community service. I used to volunteer at my church. My siblings and I would do things like go to a local homeless shelter during Thanksgiving and volunteer serving meals. So giving back has always been something that I had been really passionate about. However, I'd also been really interested in just having a better understanding of the world. My dad nicknamed me Socrates when I was a kid because I always asked questions. So being able to think about how I could help empower people through the lens of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics was really empowering for me. And I think that those opportunities that I like experienced as a kid really embraced the fact that I wanted to be able to empower people, but also do it in the lens of something that I was really interested in, which was STEM. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And what sparked your interest in science and research? How did you discover your passion for STEM? Yeah. So I think that one thing that really sparked my interest was just kind of like living in the world, going through the world and experiencing it, just wondering how, right? Why is the sky blue? Why does it get cloudy? I used to be like an earth-based science magnet in my high school. My high school had magnets. And so you could go through a bunch of different magnets, whether it be dance, culinary, cosmetology, earth space science, IT. And I had always had this attraction to understanding how the world worked. And in my 10th grade chemistry class, I just remember my chemistry teacher, Miss Young, exposing some element to oxygen and it burst into flames. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. What more can I learn about chemistry that can engage me in this way? I ended up, that was like one of the first things that really like kickstarted my interest in science. My parents also put us into these different like science programs. So I was at a science program at Morgan State University 
that like have taught high school kids uh, different applied engineering techniques that we used to create things like robots and stuff like that. And it was just so cool. I remember as a kid taking apart my brother's guitar with like screwdrivers, but then putting it back all together so he wasn't too bad. And things like that, just kind of like thinking about in a very minutial way how the smallest aspects of different things work. I think that's what eventually led me to molecular biology of understanding how the smallest, tiniest parts of humans work too. Really like to understand how all the pieces fit together. Yeah. So we all have hobbies and interests that help us recharge. What hobbies or interests do you have and how does it contribute to your overall well-being? Yeah, I have a ton of hobbies and it's interesting because a lot of them involve me doing social entrepreneurship for sure. So one of my main hobbies is working with a nonprofit organization called Vanguard STEM. We are a 501c3 that create and disseminate content that highlights women and non-binary people of color in STEM. And I really appreciate working with that team because we're a team of ladies and ladies of color in STEM who really want to create a digital footprint that highlights people in these areas to really showcase the possibilities to be mentors and also just inspiration for people that look like us that want to come afterwards. I love to be outdoors. I love nature. I love go, to go hiking. I love working out. I like to go running. And I think that some of these things are also kind of just community things that bring people together. When I was back home in Baltimore, I live in Boston now. When I was back home in Baltimore, something that I really enjoyed doing was putting music and art shows together. I've always been very passionate about music and art and even merging music, science, music, science and art kind of like into one art form. If you ever seen me in person, it's funny because my aunt used to say, Geraldine, you don't look like a scientist, you look like an artist. And so I take that to heart. And I like to say that science is my art medium. So I really like to think about ways to kind of like incorporate science into art and vice versa. Another one of my hobbies is when I was in grad school, me and my sister friends started a community organization called Field of Kids. And really, we just wanted to help empower youth in Baltimore to pursue whatever they wanted to be in their future. And through that organization, we used to have, this is pre-COVID, we used to have a bunch of school drives, book drives, a back to school event. And we always tried to incorporate some fun, interactive science art opportunity for the kids to experience at these events, whether it be extracting DNA from strawberries or creating elephant toothpaste is just an exothermic reaction that kids could physically feel this like warm elephant toothpaste erupting from their bottles. But like different things that really, I don't know, again, engage the community, get people excited about things that I'm excited about, but also being in nature really kind of like warms my heart. But like the opportunity for these things to kind of just like Empowering other people really brings me joy. 
And I think that that really calms my mental. But I'm also a bit of an introvert. So I love anime. So while I love like engaging with people, I also find the need to recharge doing simple things that I can kind of like do by myself in anime or playing my guitar are definitely a few of those things as well. So many different ways to recharge. And I'm happy to hear that you have many outlets to go to to recharge that battery of yours. Yeah. Now, every successful person has their influences. Can you share with us not only who, but how you've found those influences in your life and what kind of impact do they have on your values and perspectives? Yeah, I think that the, one of the cool things about me is that my influences are so directly close to me. My influences are my parents, my siblings, my friends. My parents very early on, my dad, my parents always used to say, you can be whatever you want. You just have to be the best at it. You just have to work hard for whatever it is that you want to be in life. And I think that mission, that vision kind of like instilled this just desire to really work hard for whatever it is I wanted to do. Even when I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, I was like, in this moment, I'm going to work really hard for whatever this next step is. So my family was, has always been a really, really big inspiration, especially because my Nigerian parents really sacrificed a lot to come here and provide an opportunity for me and my sibling. Also, my friends, I think that the people that you surround yourself with really show you who you are. I think it's important to be around, surround yourself around incredibly positive people very early on because they put that battery in your back to study, to pursue education, to pursue knowledge, to work hard. And I had an incredible amount of friends that really surrounded me and continue to empower me to do those things. I remember being in my sophomore year of college and the, the like late night spot would be the library, you know? And oftentimes it's funny you think that being in college, you know, being with a group of friends, the late night spot would be some party, some bar, some club. No, for us, it was, we meet in the RLC tonight. I was going to the, it was this 24 hour study space for undergrad. And so my friend pursuing their graduate degrees, their PhDs, their MDs, their MD PhDs also really inspired me that, hey, I can keep going and I can keep doing this because the people that I started this journey with are still going and they still continue to, to make it through as well. One of my biggest mentors and inspirations is actually a grad student from my university that graduated before I did. I rotated in his lab and we both had this sense of entrepreneurship that he really leaned into very early on. And he literally took me under his wing, introduced me to everyone on campus doing anything about in entrepreneurship, told everyone I was his protege and just connected me to everyone possible. He's the one that actually also um, introduced me and connected me to Nucleate, flagship. He was just this person that really informed me about a bunch of opportunities that I had never known. So yeah, Ben Portney was definitely one of my biggest inspirations and mentors. And he then also introduced me to one of my other mentors, Chris Lynn Rhodes. 
both of these people have been just incredibly inspirational as they've gone through very similar experiences, having done venture creation and really breaking into this world of innovation in the biotech space. And I've always wanted to be able to understand where you could go with that. And both of them having gone different routes after having experience in the venture creation space only opened the world possibilities of where I could go and what I could do. It's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. And now leadership styles and leadership in general can come in various forms and shapes. Uh, I've heard a lot about empowerment. How would you describe your leadership style and what qualities do you think are essential for an effective leader, specifically in social entrepreneurship and technology? Yeah, I think empowerment is one of the biggest ones. I think that my leadership style is definitely defined by who I am as a person. I want you to, I want, if you're on my team, I want you to feel empowered in what you're doing. I want you to feel that I'm listening to you. I'm listening to your needs. I'm listening to what you need in order to do this role well. And I think that the best leaders are the best listeners. They, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. That means that you should listen twice as much as you speak. And I think for a leader, that is the most pertinent thing that you should recognize. Because at the end of the day, the people that you work with are experiencing, are the people also doing the work, right? As a leader, really, you're a facilitator. You are delegating different tasks to the people on your team based on what they do best based on their best attributes. Therefore, the only way for you to recognize what their best attributes are, are for you to understand them as individual people, listen to who they are, what they are in this role, and also try to understand their personalities and their future goals and aspirations. I really try to understand what people want to do and how whatever they're doing in my team can align with their future goals or at least provide more opportunities for them to align with their future goals just so that in the social entrepreneurship space, you can have experiences that lead you to your future career goals as well. Thanks for sharing. And obstacles are part of every journey. Can you share a situation where you faced a big obstacle and how you navigated it? Um, I think that you're absolutely correct. Obstacles are in really pertinent to how people maneuver in life. I don't know if this was an obstacle more just a stressful time. I recall back to writing my dissertation. I remember the timeline of me graduating. I thought that I was going to be graduating in the summer of 2022, really kind of not drawing it out, but like to be able to finish everything that I wanted to finish for, for my thesis and the projects that I wanted to finish. And I recall my PI coming to myself and one other graduate student and essentially being like, I need you guys to be done in X amount of time. And it was a significantly shorter timeline than either of us had expected. And we could have both easily gotten incredibly stressed and overwhelmed at that time. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if those feelings were what we were exactly feeling at the time. However, I think we also recognize that this was a moment for us to be done. The PhD was only a stepping stone to the next part of our career journeys. And so we literally, we wrote our dissertation in a few weeks, but the bulk of it, we went back and forth in editing in the next few weeks and we really kind of like knocked it out and got it done. And it was an obstacle in that it was unexpected. The timeline of us having to write the entire dissertation and finish by the April timeline, it was incredibly unexpected, but it was also something that we knew that we had to do in order to finish. And not letting that instance overwhelm us or frighten us from getting it done, I think also was yet again empowering to showcase that we could do things even when we are put under pressure. Thanks for that. And diversity and inclusion are critical in any organization. How do you ensure, how do you embody the values of justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion? How do you advocate for that? Yeah, and I think one of the biggest ways that you can advocate for justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion is by bringing your whole self, right? At the end of the day, diversity involves every single type of person, every single way of thinking. And I think that diversity of thought brings about the most, the most influential ways of thinking, the most powerful ways of thinking. Having a bunch of diverse voices really allows you to reflect the way the world thinks as opposed to a certain group. And so the ways that I try to instill and empower justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion is by firstly bringing my whole self into everything that I do. Because I feel that as though when you bring your whole self, you allow other people to bring their whole selves and you empower their voices to speak up. And you also like kind of survey and recognize, hey, whose voices are not being heard and how can we bring those voices in so that they can speak for their demographic, their, for, their, for their kind of like culture and people and include their voice into whatever we're doing, right? As a Black woman, I have the perspective of a Black Nigerian um, Nigerian woman. However, I may not have the perspective of someone from the LGBTQIA plus community. So how can I bring that voice in so that we can diversify the voices and really have whatever we're doing reflect the thoughts and opinions of the world, right? So thinking about how we can kind of like look to see which voices are missing and bring those in, I think are really empowering. Even within organizations like Nucleate, one thing that I really worked doing, worked to do in collaboration with Ashley Gleason, our EVP of JEDI, was really think about how we can incorporate that into everything we, we're doing. Whether it's events or panel discussions, making sure that it's diverse, maybe 50% women and 50% men, always trying to incorporate people of color, always trying to incorporate people of different sexuality always trying to think about how we could 
bring more people together, always trying to think about how we can incorporate people of low socioeconomic levels as well. And I do a lot also with the other organization I work with in Vanguard STEM. We, our entire mission is to highlight women and non-binary people of color in STEM because oftentimes these groups are not recognized and not valued as much as they, as they should be. Oftentimes people believe that these groups aren't in STEM because they're not interested in STEM as opposed to they're not in STEM because they don't see people who reflect them in STEM. So really trying to pull those out and highlight them so that people, younger generations who may be interested in STEM, but we want to see people who reflect them are highlighted in there in those ways as well. I appreciate your thoughts there. And you mentioned a few different elements in terms of diversity. For those who feel like they might be in one of those categories that are underrepresented or historically marginalized, what would you recommend for people who maybe don't have the access to the networks or maybe they're not as familiar with certain, say, corporate structures or, you know, things that might come naturally for the privileged? Yeah, and I think that one of the biggest things, you have to go seek it out. There's a lot of online organizations that exist that are working towards trying to bring some of these underrepresented groups together in different disciplines to help kind of create that community. There are, I, SACNIS is a super awesome example of a conference that really works towards bringing people together in STEM and highlighting them as their whole selves. One of the coolest things I saw at SACNIS at the conference last year was that different speakers, keynote speakers, regardless of whatever their topic was, they got to walk out to their own music. There was a scientist that walked out to a Snoop Dogg song because she was from California. I was like, this is so cool. I love this. You're really bringing your entire self, your entire person to this conference. So I encourage people who are seeking communities like this, literally look up online and try to find communities that exist, whether it's on Twitter. I think Twitter is a really interesting place for science communities. LinkedIn is also a good place to try to seek out community. And then if you feel as though you've sought them out and you haven't found that they exist, see how you can band with a few people that you have found to try to create an online or even a in-person community. When I first moved to Boston, I really wanted to connect with other people of color in the biotech space and myself and another Black venture capital first person, we actually created and started having these lunches that just ended up leading into us all hanging out for the day, which was a really great opportunity to connect with people in person in the city that I was in, but like in a discipline that I was interested in. And we all got to talk about the different areas in biotech that we were and really kind of connect and collaborate in that way. Seems like you're walking the talk when it comes to that. You took the initiative, built something, and it's growing. 
and it's led to some really meaningful relationships. It's fantastic. Now, the future holds many opportunities. How do you envision the role of social entrepreneurship in creating more equitable societies and addressing some of these challenges of underrepresentation, specifically in biotech or maybe in another sector? Yeah, I think social entrepreneurship is really going to continue to take over the world. There is a nonprofit organization based out of Baltimore um, that I just fully support. I'm not necessarily, I'm not involved in it, but I support it because they are a social entrepreneurship organization based in STEM and specifically engineering, actually, called Be More 360. And I'm telling you about this because their mission is incredibly interesting and it really speaks to how social entrepreneurship can empower underrepresented groups. In Baltimore, the dirt bike scene is incredibly huge, right? If, you don't, if you're not from Baltimore, you may or may not know this. So, that, so um, that's why I'm prefacing. And oftentimes in the city, people can get frustrated with the loud sounds of these dirt bikes. However, this engineer, Brittany Young, she decided to create a nonprofit where she's teaching kids engineering through the lens of these dirt bikes. Bringing these kids in the city of Baltimore into STEM, into the world of engineering, and maybe even into the world of biotech if they so desire, right? Which is just a really cool kind of like example of we're taking something that you already know, that you already are very aware of, we're putting it in this framework of social entrepreneurship. And now we're empowering you to continue doing something that you've done your entire life, but now we're also educating you through it. I think Nucleate also does a really cool thing of this. As a scientist, as someone interested in STEM, the goal is to democratize access to scientific resources. If you're interested in commercializing your research, commercializing your technology, building a company, or even just pursuing research or scientific careers outside of academia, understanding what those opportunities look like and being surrounded by a network of people that can get you into, that can open doors and get you into those places is incredibly powerful. And I think that we really work towards getting people who are in different socioeconomic and underrepresented backgrounds into these spaces and places. I remember when we were at Sin Bio Beta and Frank Tate gave Oliver and I the really awesome opportunity to just kind of speak to the crowd, tell them a little bit about Nucleate, and then invited them to a happy hour we had. I was really warmed by the fact that a bunch of people from a community college came and felt so empowered to join Nucleate because we wanted, because we said and that we wanted to empower people just like them, people from community college that may not have access to resources that a Harvard, Yale, or MIT have. And now they're connected to people at those institutions by being involved with this institution, with this organization. 
I'm from a state school in Baltimore, you know, but I've been able to expand my network to people from universities literally all over the world. And it's been an impeccable opportunity to really be able to expand the network and meet people from just a variety of backgrounds and come together in a space where we can help lift each other up and lift as we climb. Well, Nuclear, it sounds like a good place for people if they're looking to get involved in the science and biotech space. Very interesting. Now, a couple of questions, just reflecting on yourself and looking forward as a leader. So we all learn from our experiences. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be and why? If I could go back in time and give advice to my younger self, I would tell her, write everything down and be more confident. I recognize in my older self that I've had so many good ideas that I literally forgotten about because I didn't put them on paper. And I think the funny thing about putting things on paper is that now you challenge yourself to do it because it's not just an arbitrary idea that's floating around in your mind. You're seeing it, so now it must be done. And I think that I did myself a disservice by not writing down all of the ideas that I ever had. So I would definitely tell myself, write down your ideas. The other thing I would tell myself is be more confident. Um, you don't recognize how powerful, how empowering you could be, how inspirational you could be to other people until someone tells you, right? And if you walk around in a world timid, then how can people really look to you to, in whatever it is that you're doing, um, as a leader, as a speaker, as a confidant, as a mentor, if you're not walking in the, in the full purpose of yourself? So just really kind of embracing who I am and being more confident, I think that would have allowed me to be even more confident now and really just trust who I am as a scientist, who I am as a leader, and continue to grow even more. So those are two things that I would tell my younger self. Really appreciate hearing that. And as leaders and even as people, we're never a finished product. What are you looking forward to developing further in yourself? I think I'm definitely... I'm definitely looking forward to developing more leadership skills. I want to be a visionary leader. I want to be someone that is a inspirational visionary in that I can inspire a crowd of people to work their absolute hardest, but also have a vision for where I want a company, a concept, a idea to go. And I really want to kind of like build that acumen to, I don't know exactly how to do that, but I'm still working on it. How to be the best businessman. Always toyed with the idea of going to get an MBA, but I definitely think I'm living in the experiences of how to grow things and how to be a better leader and how to steward leadership in the most optimal way. I think that I've also recognized that at the end of the day, as a leader, that you, you can't please everyone, but I also want to learn how to 
be graceful in leadership, recognizing that everyone can't be pleased, but always doing things that are beneficial for the overall group as opposed to just any one individual. And really thinking about how to execute on that in an adequate way. Also, I think this is just something that coming into corporate America after being in grad school, I really want to become a really pinpointed goal setter. I think that when you write down goals and you attach a timeline to it, it forces you to maintain the goals that you have set forth for yourself. So I really want to be able to implement that into my everyday life on a regular basis. I have a lot of goals that I, that I want to achieve, as you can imagine. So the goal is to really pull those out and get those there. Love to hear the ambition. And, and you're right, those SMART goals are a good framework to use in setting goals. And as we wrap up, what advice would you have for aspiring social entrepreneurs looking to make a meaningful impact in their communities? I would definitely, my one biggest piece of advice, not honestly to social entrepreneurs, but also anyone interested in biotech, people that just are looking to expand their career opportunities in general. This is a piece of advice I'd give to anybody regardless. <laughs> Expand your network. Connect with people via meaningful, intentional interactions. Don't just connect with people just because you think that you could get something out of them. Build connections with people for the sake of building connection, for the humanity of it. Because once you build intimate connections with people, and you expand that network, you never know what they might be doing that could take you to the next level of whatever you're interested in. There's so many people that I have met that I've just gotten the pleasure of interacting with that it's been so positive just because I don't want anything from you, but I want to get to know you because you seem like a cool person. I remember meeting Austin Shea, one of the co-founders at Ginkgo, and he attended the Nucleate Symposium that I helped produce. And it, it was just a great time. It was so awesome to get to connect with him. And I remember he let me ride his unicycle. He has a motorized unicycle. And it was hilarious. And it was just a great time. Great time meeting a great person. Same way with meeting Tony Colosa, a principal at Pillar, and Thomas Devlong. Just great people to connect with, to laugh with. Tony and I, we share an immense love for an Australian band named Hiatus Coyote. I would have never learned about our joint love of Hiatus Coyote if, if I was seeking to get something out of him as opposed to just wanting to get to know him because I thought he was cool. So really valuing people, firstly, for the humanity of it. And then once you develop that interaction, seeing how you could both benefit from this friendship, I think is a really important way of networking. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. 
I hope you found this conversation helpful as we spoke with an emerging leader who has already built a strong community. Personality and openness to becoming an even better leader goes to show that there's room for growth in all of us. I'm Beatith Hewitt. Find your voice. <laughs>